Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's have ourselves a help in a tech gumbo today. Absolutely. Start off with the news and updates. We want to start off by talking about our friends at Microsoft, finding out it's not quite as easy to upgrade to Windows 11, even when you are Microsoft. Or maybe it's easy, but is it worth it? Yeah, when you look at the fact that Microsoft has roughly 180,000 employees and it turns out 90% of their computers have upgraded to Windows 11 now, but there's still about 10% out there that are not quite able to upgrade yet. This could be for any one of a large number of reasons, and those were the computers that were identified as qualified for the upgrade. Not all the computers that Microsoft owns were ready for Windows 11. They're not releasing what that number is that is not qualified for upgrades. They're only telling you, look, you know, of the people who could, almost all of them did. Look how great this is. Except for those who don't have the newest computer hardware. If they, if they, their computer's a few years old and don't meet the exact specifications, Okay, when we get you a new computer, when, when you put in that requisite for that new PC, then we'll get you on Windows 11. Yeah, the adoption rates across the board still seem to be really low. Recent survey says it's only about 15 to 20%, but one other survey found that the usage rate is still lower than Windows XP. And most of the users have told the survey that there's no compelling reason to upgrade. And that's the sentiment that we've been echoing for months now, you know, at least since Windows 11 started, but basically since it was announced what it was going to be, that it just kind of, it's there and it's fine, but I, there's, yeah, there's no compelling reason. There really isn't. And I have yet to see anybody using a Windows 11 PC. No one that I know, nobody that I work with, none of the clients that I work with, have I seen a Windows 11 computer yet? Because Windows 10 still works great. Windows 10, it's stable. Everything is adapted to it. I'm adapted to it. 
there's everything comes with a risk. Anytime you're going to upgrade, anytime you change versions, there's going to be some shakeup. But why am I going to go through the shakeup if I'm not going to receive some value on the other side? And at some point in the future, yes, we will all probably go to Windows 11, but that's still out way into the future. Or it could just be like Windows 8 or wherever it was good and it was fine and existed, but everyone skips it and just waits for 12. Could be. Moving along, so those of you who were just about to go out there and sign up for the CNN Plus streaming service, too late. Yeah, CNN Plus died, and I didn't even know it was alive in the first place. It didn't even take them a whole month to pull the plug on the $5.99 per month streaming service that would have allowed you to get all of the CNN content that you can already get right now at CNN.com. And the folks at CNN didn't understand that's not really going to work very well. Well, apparently there was also a disagreement. The folks at CNN might have thought it was working, but the new executives said this isn't good enough. This isn't fast enough or big enough or whatever. And so they're the ones who pulled the plug on them. Yeah, either way, it's not just CNN plus that's having trouble. It's the whole streaming service in general has just kind of leveled off, if not maybe just kind of starting to take a downward turn as to how many people are going to sign up for how many different streaming services. I agree that this industry was predicated on growth and every month or every quarter you'd have more subscribers than you had last quarter. And at some point you hit that threshold wherever you're not going to have more subscribers than you did last quarter. Just because you run out of people eventually. And the people have too many options. And whenever you start to go down the list of 5, 10, 15 different streaming services that I could choose from, I'm not going to pick 15 streaming services. I might pick 5? And that's already kind of on the higher end. And so at some point, you're just oversaturated. When you consider most people were already on Netflix, and then a lot of people were already doing Disney. Now you're going to decide, well, how many more streaming services am I really going to, to go with? Am I going to do the, the Amazon TV and Amazon videos? And am I going to do the Apple TV and Paramount Plus and Peacock Network and all these different streaming services? And it was one thing when they were all 5 $6 a month, but now they're all $15, $16 a month. It just, at some point, you're going to run out of money. And so, you know, you have Hulu. Is, you can get Hulu as part of the Disney bundle. And it's like, okay, well, I'll get the Disney bundle to get the ESPN and the Hulu and the other thing inside of it. And so if I can have a couple super bundles, now I'm much more likely. But if I have to go directly to get Paramount Plus or if I have to go directly to get Peacock, no. Like the other ones are just much better values from what I'm getting, I, I couldn't even tell you what it is on Peacock or Paramount Plus that I'm missing by not having it in the first place. I completely agree. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't understand why everybody wants to come out with their own brand new streaming service. There's only so much content that's being created to start with. 
if you take the whole of all the contents that being created, and let's just say only 20% of that is any good, well, then if, if there's 20 streaming services and you only get one show that's worth a damn on every streaming platform, then I, I'm not interested. I'm out. That's what our Apple TV did, is that for a long time they had one show, and it was Ted Lasso, but uh, Apple was confident enough, they had the money enough to sit there and let it ride, let it grow. It'll slowly accumulate subscribers. They don't need it to be profitable now. And just eventually you'll create enough content that like one or two of them will be good. And then you can start to build something. Whereas CNN Plus saying one month in, we're done. You were never going to be successful. If inside of one month you already met your failure condition, you were already going to fail whenever you launched. And there was no success condition. It just really, that's that whole thing is just mind boggling. Another cool story we saw, there's some scientists in Australia, they're gonna drive a Tesla around the the whole continent of Australia. And they're not going to charge from a wall. That's the big part. Exactly. All of their power is gonna come from solar energy that is from lightweight panels that are attached to the vehicle. So they're creating the the solar panels inside of these the equivalent of film uh, panels, and they're going to attach this film with the the solar panels inside the film to the top of the vehicle, and it's going to be a nine thousand four hundred mile journey that's going to take almost three months to go all the way around the whole country, whole continent of Australia, and they're going to stop off along the way and, and do a lot of teaching, and it's going to be a really cool thing to watch. But 9,400 miles and not charging your vehicle one time. That's really impressive. And we were sitting there trying to, to figure it out, trying to do the math on it, that how much surface area is there on the actual, because it's, it's a Model 3, which is kind of a sleek profile. It's not a very big, bulky car. But, you know, you're just going to sit there and you're going to pull in enough power. And whenever you think about an electric vehicle, that even if you were able to get a third to half of your power from a, a solar charger as opposed to having to pay for it from the wall, you're really starting to use a lot of free energy that costs you nothing, is completely sustainable. And anytime you say so, hey, would you want to cut your gas budget by 80% because electricity is already going to be cheaper per mile to travel than gas? Now you're going to start to get people moving in that direction. And that's a very powerful motivating force. Now, of course, part of the problems why they're planning this to take almost three months is you have to factor in rainy days when there's not a lot of sun and the batteries won't recharge as quick or at all. And and that's part of the problem with these are still very experimental panels. When you're that wafer thin, I mean, it's it literally is the, the thickness of 38 millimeter films that from old cameras, that's how thick this is. So you don't have a whole lot of surface area that's going to be pulling in all this power. The great question is, and we've been, we tried to find and couldn't get a good answer. How much power is it going to pull in as, it, as, as opposed to how much power is being expended? That's a question I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out. Dave, it's 9,400 miles and 80-something days, that's a little over 100 miles a day, which is a pretty pretty good truck per day. And so the question is, 
did they set it at about a you know 100 110 miles per day because that's what their limit was from a just like traveling standpoint they'd be tired could the car not go further what exactly were their their actual limitations here but either way regardless of what the limitations were this is a cool step forward it's an awesome demonstration of technology and you have to think that it only gets better from here absolutely i mean you got to start somewhere and there have been a lot of these solar panel cars that have gone across the country before with very controlled environments and you know doing 20 miles an hour kind of thing with an rv of people and we're following right behind the vehicle made it across okay great but this first time it's doing it in a production car. Yeah. And and so that's going to be interesting to see. And another kind of store that dovetailed into this, the European Union is wanting to know a lot more about where the raw materials are coming from before you start allowing all these lithium batteries to get into the EU. Right now, electric vehicle batteries are coming from lithium ion and most of the world's lithium is either in china australia or in certain countries in south america and so what they really want to do is we don't want a repeat of the 20th century wherever the primary energy source is owned by a group of people who we're not super friends with and that we now have to do dealings with them because they own the energy source. We can see the example that Russia owns a lot of oil, and so we've had to be a lot nicer to Russia than we want to. And whenever Russia goes invading someone and we want to place sanctions on them, such as not taking Russian oil anymore, all of a sudden the price of gasoline goes up and people start to grumble about that. And so if we could cut that off ahead of time and just never build that into our systems, that's actually a huge step forward for making this sustainable. And the problem becomes in that the majority of the lithium mines in the world are in China. The majority of the lithium battery plants are in China. And China's one of the not good actors out there that we're kind of worried about when we start looking out for the next hundred years, who's going to be our allies and who's not. And it makes you kind of go, oh yeah, let's not do a whole nother cold war over car batteries. Let's try and maybe if we find something else that's sustainable, that's not a lithium battery. Exactly. That we don't need OPEC 2.0. That there are things that we can be doing things that we can be thinking about you mentioned finding other materials we've mentioned a hydrogen battery and so there's efforts to be able to have sources uh, of power storage like that it's slower it's not as fast for adoption electric vehicles we understand that technology much better today but with all these things there's really complex trade-offs and it's important that we get it right now so that the next generation and the next three generations aren't dealing with problems that we create today. You and I've talked about in the past and we were the lack of funding that a lot of the new energy technologies are getting is is a struggle. When look, everybody, we still use oil, still need oil, still gonna be using oil a hundred years from now. Never that's not going away. But when you're not putting as much 
resources and effort into trying to create newer technologies that would work alongside of the oil, not just replacing oil. We need to start doing more. And especially whenever you think about the jobs that this would bring, that the the types of skills and the the what you would open up if America was a world leader in in solar, in electric, in these renewables, that other countries would come to us for our expertise, and we would be the ones at the forefront of this. That the the technology and even the you know it may not require a four year degree. Maybe you could have a high school diploma and work in these jobs and and do certain functions. This could be a path to open up a lot of next generation jobs for America that we should be investing in these clean technologies because there are just there's so many benefits and there are no downsides to it. And and look, I grew up in an oil field family. I still live in a state that has a lot of oil field jobs and, and petrochemical jobs. I'm not anti oil at all. I'm very pro oil. But I think we need to do more than just oil. And I think I would love to see Louisiana take a lead in doing some of these things, working in a, making better use of technologies to create newer technologies that will help sustain things going forward. Absolutely. That whenever you think about the fact that solar is free, wind is free, the question is storage. As long as we can store it, then the, all of a sudden, all the money that we spend pulling oil out of the ground, it, everything gets cheaper. And so I like things whenever things are cheaper. And so it's it's a movement in the right direction. And I hope that we continue to take positive steps on it. Now, one thing that's not cheaper is Twitter. It just had a $44 billion price tag placed on it. And Mr. Musk has now struck the deal with the board. He is buying Twitter for $44 billion. But things may not go just as smoothly as Mr. Musk thinks it will. Right. There, I have a lot of different thoughts about this story. It's all complicated. It's all interesting to talk about and take apart. But one of the first things is that Tw Musk has said that he wants to deregulate uh, speech on Twitter. But the EU has said, hey, we have content moderation rules in place already. You better follow them or you're banned. And you ban the EU and there goes a whole lot of revenue, advertising revenue to help pay back that $44 billion check you just wrote. And what are you going to do? Do you, you really... It turns out that free speech is a really, really hard problem to solve and flippantly saying, oh, well, everything should be free. Yes, like, but it's not just a switch you can flip. And Twitter didn't land in the place that it did by accident. It worked very hard to get there. And we've seen on numerous other social media platforms this idea fail because it's very hard. Just ask former President Trump with his truth social, who, by the way, Mr. Trump has said he's not coming back to Twitter. So darn. We'll see how it plays out. But for now, 
Elon Musk is he's going to have he's going to own Twitter outright and we're going to sit back and watch what he does and hope it doesn't die and go away because he changed too much. Yeah, we will keep covering it here on Tech Gumbo, though. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. You can also always text us 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.